Welcome to Craft Life Episode 2, Creative Space. In this episode, we'll talk about putting together the perfect creative environment, and I'll give you a little sneak peek into mine. Look out, here comes one of my favorite Southernisms. Hey, I've had a chance to boogie this week. And a lovely little item I dare you to knit. All this coming up in this episode of Craft Life, the podcast all about living the creative life. Thank you so much for joining me for this second episode of Craft Life. I'd like to welcome back any returning listeners, and I'd like to say a special welcome to brand new listeners. It's so nice to have you here. I'm really excited about today's topic, the creative space. But before we get into the meat of the podcast, I would be remiss if I neglected your education. Yes, your education on all things Southern. And today's Southernism is one of my favorites, and as hard as I tried, I couldn't really find a way to tie it into the theme of today's podcast, but I just like it so much we're going to go ahead and go with it anyway. So for today's Southernism, I give you Putting on the Dog. Putting on the Dog. Verb Phrase. Definition. To make things extra special. Usage Example. Mrs. Jenkins is really putting on the dog for Sarah's wedding shower. I have to admit, I love putting on the dog. I like putting on the dog in the nice fancy way. I love the china, I love crystal, I love gorgeous tablecloths. But, you know, you can put on the dog without getting super fancy every day. You know, when you run around your house to clean up before a company comes over, and when they come over, it doesn't actually look like it does when you live there because you've made it look nicer than it usually is. Yeah, that's putting on the dog. But definitely my favorite way is with the nice china and the nice crystal and the nice utensils. And I'm sad to say, we've lived in Texas for about almost three years now. And since we've moved... I have not even unpacked my china. It has not seen the light of day in almost three years. That's three years since I have seriously put on the dog. That's kind of sad. Well, I don't want to unpack it until we get to our final settling place. And as we have moved already twice in the past two years, I'm not ready to unpack and then pack again and unpack. So they're just going to have to stay in the boxes for now. But I'll keep you updated. So tell me, how do you put on the dog? Leave me a comment and tell me all about it at treacleandinketsy.wordpress.com. What does your creative environment look like? How do you prepare your surroundings in order to promote your creativity? 
I have known actors to have particular rituals that they go through before each performance, consisting of everything from warm-up exercises to breathing techniques or meditation to listening to a certain song on their MP3 player. This allows them to set up a creative environment in which they are comfortable no matter where they are physically. I have also known actors to do much stranger things, but that's for another podcast. I have heard of writers who can only create their very best stories using a particular pen. Some people feel inspired in busy public spaces, surrounded by high energy and a fast pace, while others demand quiet and solitude in order to best focus their creative ideas. Research has suggested a variety of ideas concerning the way the environment around us may help to stimulate creativity. One idea involves the use of color. Hospitals are painted white because that color portrays an air of sterility. I don't know about you, but sterility is not what I'm going for in most of my creative endeavors. Research has also shown that the color blue, on the other hand, promotes both creativity and productivity. If you are feeling a bit stressed and really need to relax in order to be creative, try painting the walls of your crafty space green, as it has been shown to relieve stress and have a calming effect. If, on the other hand, you prefer to approach your creative efforts with high levels of excitement and enthusiasm, orange or red may be good colors with which to surround yourself. But be careful. While red may be a warm and uplifting color for some, it has also been known to evoke feelings of anger or intensity. As with sight, smell can also play a role in helping you nurture a creative environment. If you are someone who thought painting your walls green sounded like a good idea, you might also want to try lighting a few orange-scented candles as well. The smell of an orange is said to reduce anxiety, as are the smells of both lavender and cedar. And here I thought all cedar was good for was keeping the moths away from last year's woodlands. If you're working on a task that requires more of your left brain, snacking on a lemon drop or sitting near an arrangement of jasmine might be beneficial. If you are in need of a little pick-me-up to pull you out of a slump, the scent of rosemary or grapefruit might be just the thing. And a cinnamon vanilla fragrance is said to boost creativity. Just what I need, another excuse to fill my house with baked goodies. I can't even eat all that I bake as it is. Thankfully, peppermint is also said to boost creativity. See, I knew that bag of Bob's soft peppermint candies at my work desk were good for more than just an afternoon treat. You may also want to pay attention to the temperature of your creative space as well. Room temperature, you know, that perfect comfort level for you, is the best temperature to help you maintain a creative state. Temperature levels that swing either too high or too low can cause losses of both concentration and your efficiency in mental and skilled tasks. This is because the uncomfortable temperatures stress the body's regulatory and circulatory systems. That's less energy that you'll have to put toward creating your magnum opus. There are many things that you can do to create an environment that promotes your creativity. Plenty of natural light is always a good idea. Music is also thought to help get your ideas going. Some studies suggest that people are more creative in a room with high ceilings, while still others state that surrounding yourself with plants is the thing to do. There's plenty of research out there, but the best thing to do is to blend the science with your art and figure out what works best for you. 
So what does your creative space look like? I've learned that my creative space is very much centered around audio. Uh, I don't necessarily have a craft room per se. I have a room that we call my craft room, uh, and it is really more of a craft storage area. I have a little desk in there, and that's where my sewing machine stays. But it's it's not really big enough to get into the larger craft. So I do most of my crafting in the living room on the couch if I'm knitting, or at the kitchen table if I'm doing something bigger or something that I need a table space for. Um, so yeah, so my creative environment definitely centers around audio. If I'm sitting on the couch, I'm generally watching TV or a movie. And if I'm working at the kitchen table, I always have some kind of music going on. So no matter where I am, if I'm making things, there's music going on. So since that's kind of my creative environment, and since this is the perfect format for that, I figured I would put together a few of my audio creativity stimulating things and um, share with you a little taste of my creative space.
So what did you think? That is definitely just a sample and by no means is intended to be a complete representation of all of the audio that's involved in my creative environment, but I just wanted to give you a little taste, a little sneak peek. Now, I'm hoping that some of you recognized at least one or two of those clips, um, but in case you missed some, I'm going to go back through and kind of give you a little rundown on what they all were. The first sound clip is the theme song to Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Now, about a year ago, this is so how geeky we are. About a year ago, my husband and I decided that we were going to make it our goal to watch every episode of Star Trek The Next Generation in chronological order. And so we did. And then when we got to the end of that, we decided that the next logical step would be to watch every episode of Deep Space Nine in chronological order. And so we started doing that. And then, you know, they started to make Voyager around the same time, so we started watching episodes of Voyager, and so now our goal has been to watch every episode of every Star Trek from the next generation on in order that it was aired. So that's what we're doing, and that is where a lot of my knitting happens right now because we've made it through Next Generation and we're on to Deep Space Nine. So a lot of my knitting is, is taking place while we're watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And let me just say, we don't own these. Not quite that geeky yet, but God bless Netflix because that is, that's what we use. We don't have cable and we don't watch regular television, but we love our Netflix. It's such an awesome thing. If you haven't tried it yet, go out there and do it. Try it. Digital downloads and movies through the mail. It's great. Anyway, moving along, that second sound clip was Natalie McMaster's song, Appropriate Dipstick. And I love Natalie McMaster. She is an awesome fiddle player. And if you ever have a chance to see her in concert, do it because she really puts on a great show. That third sound clip was the opening credits to Pride and Prejudice. Yes, the BBC version with Colin Firth, which is the best in my humble opinion. I think I've seen this movie... Okay, I know I've seen this movie more times than I can count, but this movie was actually a very big part of my first um, tablecloth that I ever made. The first patchwork tablecloth that I made, I made completely by hand. So I spend hours sitting on the couch and sewing all these little patchwork pieces together by hand, and Pride and Prejudice was very much a big part of that, as were most of my other period dramas. The fourth sound clip that you heard was Kate Rusby's Village Green Preservation Society. And Kate Rusby, she's just, again, another singer that's so nice to listen to, so easy to sing along with, and she gets played pretty much every time I'm crafting. That fifth clip was from Come All You Sailors by the Waylon Jennies. And if you haven't heard of these ladies, go look them up. They have awesome, just tight vocal harmony. Their songs are so good. Um, it's, yeah, I want to sing with them. Waylon Jennings, if any of you are out there, I would love to sing with you one day. Email me, treacleandink at hotmail.com. <laughs> and that last soundbite was, of course, the Doctor Who theme song. Um, like I said in the last podcast, I love Doctor Who, and I like to knit to Doctor Who. Enough said. And, of course, I could not do a segment on the audio environment that I create in. If I left out podcasts, I love listening to podcasts. I am a total podcast junkie. And there's one podcast in particular that I would like to introduce you to tonight if you have not already heard of it. It's the I Make Podcast. 
This podcast is hosted by Martine, and Martine is a wonderful podcaster. She is so easy to listen to, and she is extremely knowledgeable. I I learn something new every time I listen to one of her podcasts. I believe she podcasts bi-weekly, and she covers a range of topics. She does focus a lot on knitting, kind of like I do, but she covers so many other different types of crafts and food and just go check it out. It's such a wonderful podcast. Uh, you can find her blog at imake.gg and I believe her podcast is also on iTunes. So uh, like all the other sound clips that have been in this segment of the podcast, I will put a link to her podcast in the show notes. But until you get a chance to check that out, here's a little taste of what you can hear from Martine at iMake. This is the iMake podcast, a podcast celebrating all things handmade. Join me, your host Martine, for some creative chatter covering a whole host of crafts, including knitting, crochet, jewellery making, paper crafts and much, much more. You can download the podcast from iTunes as well as a number of other podcast directories or visit www.imake.gg. Now I've done a good bit of talking about the creative environment in terms of your creative space so far. But I'd like to take just a little bit of time and talk about a much, I, I would say even much more important creative space, and that is the space between your ears. Yep, I'm talking about your mind. There is one thing that will just make or break my creativity, and that is practice. And this is a lesson that I was reminded of once again this past weekend. If you've done any reading on the blog, you have probably picked up on the fact that I'm in an, a comedy improv group. We do family-friendly comedy improv, which is just it's just an anomaly in the world of comedy, actually. And I'm, I'm so privileged to be able to do that type of comedy. Um, we, up until the end of this past year, we did weekly shows in our own performance venue, and currently we are in between spaces. We are looking for a new space, one better suited to our needs, and in the meantime, we are spending our performance times in private events and fundraisers. And so we're not having the weekly shows and we're not having the weekly rehearsals. The last show that I did in our former performance space was at the end of December. And the next show that I did after December was this past weekend. So we're looking at, oh, three and a half months between performances with no rehearsals. And improv, like many other creative endeavors, is a, it's a skill. And it's a skill that you, you practice and just like if I haven't played the piano in a few weeks and I sit down at it, I can't play as well as I did the last time when I was practicing. And wow, we had a, we had a very good show this past Friday. Um, we started off, you know, pretty, pretty high energy right out of the gate. And, oh, I think by the end we were... We were telling a story about a, a purple turtle named Dexter and his arch nemesis, the man who wouldn't stop talking. It was a very funny ender, but wow, I really struggled through the show. I could not come up with as many funny lines and as many good clues, and I could just really tell that I hadn't been practicing. 
So I would just like to encourage you that, you know, whether or not you feel like you're in a creative mood or you feel like you can create something really wonderful, just practice. Just create something that's not so wonderful. Just keep your skills sharp because that that's really, I think, the most important thing. Practice doesn't make perfect, but it definitely keeps your skills growing. So don't forget to practice. Let's talk about knitting. Are you ready? We haven't talked too much about it yet in this podcast. I would like to update you on the boogie vest. Now, this is the vest that I mentioned last week. Um, I said I was having issues because I'd finished the vest. And as one of the last finishing things that I needed to do on the vest, I crocheted a single crochet chain around the armholes. And for some reason, this had caused the armholes to, to be wiggly and did not want to lay flat. And you know, when I went back and I listened to last week's podcast, I think I answered my question by asking the question. What I said was, it seems that the single crochet chain is longer than the perimeter of the armhole. Bingo. The single crochet chain was longer than the perimeter of the armhole. So I took out the chain and recrocheted, and this time, instead of crocheting in every single hole around the armhole, I crocheted in every other hole, and it's perfect. I don't have Lady Gaga shoulders anymore, and I'm so excited, and I wore the vest to work on Monday. So yay, no more problems with the boogie vest. A little update on the pink ribbon fingerless mitts that I was working on last week. I did finish the first one, and I have started the second one, but, hmm, I've heard of second sock syndrome, and I believe I struggle with second mitt syndrome. It's got to be the same thing. They're a pair of identically knitted items. It was so hard to cast on this second mitt, and, oh, it really was like pulling teeth. And I've got it cast on, and I'm just making myself work it. I've done a few pairs of fingerless mitts before, and... And this has happened before, but it seems to be worse every time. So if you have any advice on second sock or, in my case, second mitt syndrome, if you know what I might can do to overcome this because it's driving me crazy, please go to the blog and leave me a comment. It's treacleandinketsy.wordpress.com. And now we're going to go on to something a little silly. One of my favorite creative quotes is by Joseph Chilton Pierce. To live a creative life, we must lose our fear of being wrong. And there is so much truth in that statement. So, in my effort to lose my fear of being wrong, I'm going to share with you this little bit of fluff I put together this week. I've been looking at knitting and knitting in fashion. And oh, there are so many things to see when you're exploring fashion knitting. So I'd like to give to you as my gift a little bit of a knitting fashion show. And here we have Miss Amelia J. Crinklebottom looking positively piscatorial in this combination balaclava and shawl. The fitted shawl begins at the waist and works its way up the shoulders to the neck widely netted in shades of black, yellow-green, and a light silvery gray. 
Long strands of silk fiber and roving dangle from the bottom like a flowing garden of seaweed and bracken. This marvelous mermaid isn't going to wiggle out of this lacy lattice anytime soon. From the neck, the shawl travels upward, transforming into a snugly fitting, rust-colored balaclava. Miss Crinklebottom's eyes are wonderfully accented as she coyly bats her lashes through the mask's singular opening. This piece allows the wearer to practice this ancient art of non-verbal communication to the fullest, as the balaclava completely covers the mouth and nose. Wearing this garment would certainly lead any gentleman to believe he has found the catch of the day. Thank you, Miss Crinklebottom. All opinions expressed here are solely those of craft life and do not necessarily reflect the views of commercial fishermen of America, the residents of Balaclava, South Australia, or Italian knitwear designers. Publication in this podcast should not be considered an endorsement. Craft life does not assume any legal liability or responsibility for the safety of knitting this garment for personal or public use. Craft life will not be held liable for any direct or indirect injury resulting from the creation of or wearing of this garment, including, but not limited to, carpal tunnel, shoulder strain, itching, rashes, or asphyxiation. Always remember... Knit at your own risk. Like I said, that was just a little bit of fluff. Leave me a comment in the show notes and tell me what you think. As with all the rest of the things that I've covered in the podcast, I will have a picture of this crazy knitted garment in the show notes so you can go and have a look at it yourself and decide if you have the guts to knit it and more importantly, if you have the guts to wear it in public. And hey, if you do, I want to know about it. Send me a note and let me know. Well, this brings us to the end of the podcast for today, but I just want to go ahead and give you a little heads up and let you know what you can expect in episode three. April the 8th through the 10th is the Dallas Fiber Festival, and I plan on going that Saturday. This is going to be my first fiber festival ever. I know I'm such a newbie, but... Everybody starts sometime. So Dallas Fiber Festival, you really don't have to do a lot to impress me because I have nothing to compare you to. But at any rate, come episode three, I'm looking forward to sharing with you my experience at my very first Fiber Festival and let you know if I'd recommend you giving it a try next year. You can find the show notes for this podcast as well as listen to the podcast on the blog, treacleandinketsy.wordpress.com. You can also download the podcast from iTunes. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email treacleandink at hotmail.com or you can find me on Ravelry and Facebook. My name is Treacle and Ink. Thanks so much and have a great week.